Welcome back to Texas Sports Nation. I'm Jonathan Alexander here with Brooks Cabina. We are coming off another Texans loss, of course. They're 1-6 and 1 after their loss to the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night. And I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Of course, I, well, fam- <laughs> <laughs> I famously predicted 45 to 7. It ended up being 29 to 17. Not only did you pick 45 7, you went around telling people I that did. you were going 45 7. So you kind of had to eat that one. I wanted all the smoke, and I got it. <laughs> I definitely got it. So, yeah, man. So, you know, the Texans, they kept it close for three quarters. They did. Yeah, until the Eagles, you know, eventually pulled away with it, got Jalen Hurts and that offense. But did you take a positive out of that, or what did you take from it? Well, I took from that that that's the ceiling for the Texans. I mean, they played to the level of their talent on their roster, and they competed for as long as they could against a team whose strategy was clearly, we're just going to outlast you. The same way as the Titans did, the same way as any other team that knows that the Texans' offense isn't going to score enough points to beat them. So the defense is bad enough that if you have a run-oriented or a run-bent team like the Eagles, like the Titans, like the Giants coming up on the schedule, they're just going to be able to run the ball at some point successfully enough to score enough to win. It may be ugly. It may take a long time to develop the score margin that makes it look like the blowout it was during the game. But, I mean, we've seen the Titans. It was 17-10, to 10 and that thing was a blowout. So, I mean, uh, how how much more can this offense give? Um, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, maybe that passing game can uptick. But the defense, I just don't see there really being much improvement unless some of the young players on that team uh, grow up and get better. And Malik Collins could help out at defensive tackle. Lovey Smith has called him the most important player on the defense, that three tech is kind of that uh, player who is getting in the backfield, setting the tone. And uh, they paid him uh, one of the highest uh, re-signings last year because of it. And he's out with that chest injury for the last two games. So, you know, that's pretty much the takeaway from it. And uh, I don't know how many people uh, maybe maybe heard about it. I'm glad, you know, maybe y'all read it in the paper. The Astros were playing the same night and uh, they had a parade at the same time as uh, Lovey Smith's press conference on Monday. And uh, I'm wondering how much now that baseball is out of the consciousness of Houston, uh, whether the Texans become part of the attention and uh, they'll be around through the end of January. So uh, we'll we'll see on that. But, you know, I, I, I think with the Texans coming up with the Giants, do you think there's anything that I think it's interesting this game, we kind of highlighted at the beginning two teams that were looking to be rebuilding and the Giants have taken off. They might even make the playoffs. I mean, did that surprise you, Jonathan? Yeah, it definitely surprised me because I saw them play last year when I was covering the Panthers and they looked horrible. But then you have to look at it. You know, Sa- Saquon Barkley was coming off a major injury, his ACL injury, and he just wasn't the same at that point. Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. He has his struggles, you know, as a second year. I think he was a third, second or third year quarterback at that time. And and now they have a new coach in, in, in Brian DeBall who, um, you know, has experience who has helped, uh, who has, you know, figured out a way to make this Giants defense really good. They blitz a heck of a lot, and I think you wrote about that today. 
You have Daniel Jones, who isn't turning the ball over. I think he has only two interceptions. Not how many passing touchdowns, but he has only two interceptions, which is a huge change from last year. So they're being a lot more efficient. They're playing a lot more better defense, um, and they've definitely surprised me. Just it's amazing because they were four and thirteen last year. They already six and two. It's amazing how one team can turn it around. And this team is based off the running game, just like you said. And that's where the Texans struggle most. That's been their kryptonite all year. And uh, while Levy Smith said it was a challenge, a big challenge, it's, it's going to be a bigger challenge than that. It's going to be a ginormous challenge um, because they have been pitiful against the run, giving up 181 yards per game. So, um, you know, th- th- I'm not going to predict another blowout like I predicted with the Eagles, but <laughs> I mean, I, it's 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 in, it's hard for me to see the Texans winning this, um, given the struggles they've had and the fact that you know Nico Collins again might not play. He he may, but he might not, and so they're going to be down, you know, a weapon. And we'll see what happens with Brandon Cooks. I mean, that's going to be interesting. His reintegration back into the off- offense. So a lot of un- unknown factors there. The part about the Giants is really interesting. I thought Dayball was one of the interesting hires over the year. He had such a good success with the Bills as an offensive coordinator, and he and it almost makes sense in some ways. Like I'm not clearly I'm not saying Daniel Jones is Josh Allen, but there are ways that you can see some of their strengths: his ability to move, his ability to throw. Then you have Saquon Barkley, and you can use him in an offense. I mean, the Bills, even though they didn't have a talent at running back like him, they still incorporated the running backs a lot into what they were able to do, and Josh Allen being the center of that. So. It's kind of the fit between scheme and talent that's taken off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, their defense, um, while it hasn't been as effective um, as against the run as you would expect, I think they're in the bottom 10 in NFL defenses. They're, they're one of the more aggressive. You're right about that, Jonathan. They, uh, under Don Martindale, you might remember him from the Ravens. Um, he was there for a while. He came over, and they are blitzing more than any other NFL team. Uh, they're getting pressure on the quarterback the ninth most out of NFL teams. It's a completely different kind of philosophy to what Lovey Smith does. They hardly blitz at all. You're seeing more of a 3-4 scheme outside linebackers like Kayvon Thibodeau, who was a guy the Texans could have had a shot out if they wanted to select him number three overall. But the Giants got him later on in the in the top 10 after also selecting an offensive tackle. Uh, so that, this was a team that, I mean, looked like they were on the brink of being just bad again and I think that's to the frustration of some of the Texans fans who see a team that was going through a coaching search just like the Texans were and uh, I think the Texans maybe in years to come it's a different situation because you had Barkley you had some other pieces and Daniel Jones I think might be thought of in the same way as a Davis Mills where people were ready to give up on him but Daniel Jones was a top top five top six pick so I mean, that was there was clearly more uh, from uh, really an objective point of how much they were trying to work through with him. Um, and Mills, in his time through Stanford, the injuries, the uh, the time just not being on the field to the pandemic at the end of the year, they've had to work more with him. But Brandon Cook's coming back. You mentioned that, Jonathan. As we were talking to Lovey Smith today, there was one thing that struck me, and I wonder if it did to you too. He said kind of about his role in the offense, and he said, the best players on their team, they want to showcase their talents through a team-oriented way. And I think that's kind of signaling what's going on behind the scenes where 
Cooks may not be happy with his role. And he, as we've talked in the past couple of weeks, he's been targeted a lot, but his his depth of uh, of receptions, uh, his depth of targeting has, has been the second fewest, the second shortest at 8.6 uh, since his rookie season. Um, and that just kind of shows like Pep Hamilton's using him in a short game. He's not, he's, he's had 50 yard receptions in every year of his career, except this one. I mean, does that change? Do you expect Pep to change that up now? Or does Levy Smith, what he said, kind of indicate things really won't change in his role? I took the same thing away from that, that obviously, you know, Brandon Cooks wasn't happy with his role. Um, otherwise, I don't think Lovey Smith would have been so forthcoming and saying like, oh, we're trying to get him the ball. You know, I, I do think Pep Hamilton has to look at other alternatives because what's happened so far has not worked. I mean, what has worked is when they established the run, they've played a lot better, but they've got to do more than that. What they've done isn't hasn't been enough to win them games. They've only got one win, even their best offensive performance against the Raiders. Uh, I think that was October 23rd wasn't good enough. They couldn't keep up with the Raiders' offense. So I think, you know, trying to find different ways, maybe, you know, that's throwing to Brandon Cooks deeper. I think that could possibly help. We saw that happen late on that drive. What what team was that again? Remind me. Um, in that last one that Nico didn't play, but Brandon played. Um, Eagles and Titans and Raiders. T- yeah, against the Titans. So, you know, the – Texans didn't do anything all game and Brandon Cooks had two receptions for three yards until that final drive when they decided to throw it to him deep and he caught two deep passes and finished with 73 yards. Um, Obviously, Brandon still has that ability. Um, You know, they ought to utilize that. Uh, So I think they'll have to. I don't know if they will, but it's something that they ought to look into because one coach said earlier this year, it's asinine to keep trying the same thing if it's not working. So, um, yeah, Texas, I, I, in my opinion, the Texans have to change it up. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you think about it last year where Tim Kelly, who was fired as an offensive coordinator, was also facing the same kind of defenses that knew what Brandon Cooks was capable of. We talked to Ben McDaniels, the passing game coordinator, wide receiver coach, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, I know what Brandon Cooks can do. You know what Brandon Cooks can do. All these defenses know. Uh, but that's part of the game. And, uh, I, I mean, you look at the way their offensive line is protecting Davis Mills. They have more consistency on the tackles than they did last year. There should be more time for them to throw down the field, to have more develop. And we've seen Davis Mills roll out and use his feet well. I think you look at early in games, uh, he hasn't really been pressured all that often. So, I mean, I, I just... The time to throw, he seems to have it a lot more than he did last year. It's it's a bit confusing in some ways that Cooks hasn't been able to take the top off of defenses whenever they talk about guys like Tyron Johnson who can do so. So his role in this, it's what they've decided. Um, he's good at separation in some ways that the other uh, wide receivers on the team are not. So that might be part of Pep Hamilton's thinking is that, you know, if I need short yardage on third downs, which guy on my roster is going to give me that? And that would be Cooks. But if you're trying to score points, that's one of the things is like he's one of those players can help you do that. And we did our midseason review. What's really stood out to me is that Nick Casario, whenever he talked to us a couple of weeks ago, and I, I asked him about quarterbacks, its role in the offense. And he said, to simplify it, the way you factor in offense is, are you moving the ball and are you scoring points? 
So if you just take those main metrics, the Texans rank last in the NFL in moving the ball. On, on, on average, on their drives, they rank last in the NFL, just like they did last year. And they're scoring just as many points as they did last year. And they've got a better running game in Damian Pierce. So if it's a run-oriented scheme that opens up the pass, you have the run game working. Where's the rest of the passing game? And I don't think the wide receiver core is worse than it was last year. Um, you know, they were rotating slot corners between four injured guys, and they had Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins, and Nico Collins was hurt for a bit of that year too. So I definitely, definitely I think the role for Cooks has to change if they want to try and be more explosive. If they want to use, maybe maybe this means more towards they don't believe Mills can throw the ball that deep, and we've seen him do it sometimes. So, I mean, if Cooks is going to come in and if they have any convincing way of keeping him in the offense in the future seasons, which may not be the case right now, then that would probably have to change. And if they want to score points and, you know, out, outscore some of these offenses like the Giants coming up, like, um, you know, like the Dolphins coming up, like the Browns, whenever Deshaun Watson comes back, they've got to find a way to pass the ball because they're, they're a very one-dimensional team right now. And, um, I mean, <sighs> Damian Pierce can only take them so far. It'd be interesting to see how the Giants finish because um, if they finish well and continue to building, there'll be a case and study for teams that don't have franchise quarterbacks and how they can be successful. Obviously, teams that don't have franchise quarterbacks don't win at all. Um, historically, it's only been a few. But uh, I mean, unless you consider Daniel Jones uh, win at all or win at all, win win at all, uh, win the Super Bowl. I mean, da- oh, Daniel Jones was okay. drafted to be a franchise quarterback, yeah. but he has proven that he's you know not that type of guy yet. Not saying he can't develop into that guy. And also, I meant to add, he's a Charlotte guy. So shout out to all my Charlotteans, <laughs> the Duke Charlotteans listening. Um, so yeah, I mean, like his 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 numbers really aren't that great this year either yeah i mean his his yards per attempt are still hovering at 6.4 that's his lowest of his career Mm -hmm. but you know they've incorporated barkley really well yeah so i mean they'd be good yeah they'd be a good case study for the texans if they continue to have this type of success because i mean it looks like they will i mean they're winning i mean he lost last week but um you know who's to say they're going to keep falling off so It'd be interesting to look at them at the end of the year and see what exactly um, allowed them to be successful. I think, you know, Levy Smith kind of hinted at it, you know, they don't turn the ball over as much. And we've seen those issues from Davis Mills, who has, I think, what does he have eight interceptions or 10 interceptions? I can't remember the last time I looked, um, but I recall 10 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And uh, the fact that he has as much interceptions as he has touchdowns is not a good thing. So. That'll help you lose some games. No, they they definitely want him to be uh, better at that. I mean, that's things that uh, both Lovey Smith and Nick Casario have underlined. Uh, it is 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. The other thing, too, you mentioned not having franchise quarterbacks. I mean, I, there, there are situations where you look at teams, like I wouldn't say the 49ers had one, mm-hmm. and they were pushing deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're right. I, I think you still need that to push to a Super Bowl win. Um, I mean, if you look at the past teams that have done it, that's certainly part of it, but I mean, it's just weird. I know the Falcons have, uh, benefited from kind of a bad schedule. The NFC South is kind of a mess. Oh, right they're now, terrible. But you know, they're, they're in, like Marcus Mariota got dished off and, um, um, I mean, uh, and, and now he's, you know, kind of helping them out. So it's kind of interesting to see 
what you can do with what you have. And I'm sure the Texans don't want that on the quarterback side of it. But I mean, like the Giants, they're pushing the the Browns, they're pushing all these teams that have, are competing kind of have are built around these running backs. And I, I really think that's kind of a trend that's kind of turning back towards, you know, what we were seeing in kind of the mid 2000s where in the late 2000s, where your Adrian Peterson's, LaDainian Tomlinson's were the guys getting it done. Um, Chris Johnson. Yeah. Uh, 13 and three. I mean, that was what Kerry Collins in the late twilight of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't win the soup. None of those won the Super Bowl, So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's kind of uh, something to take away from that. Yeah. Uh, I, and you know that if, and just under that, that's face, right? Like, if those teams didn't win, so why are you building a team around a, a run-oriented scheme? Uh, I mean, that's that's an interesting thing to think about. Maybe. Yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely you know something to say. Uh, yeah, I've, I've looked down. I think the last thirty years, only Trent Dilfer. It depends on what you think about. Um, what's the guy who was with the Ravens? Um, Trent Dilfer was, but uh, Joe Flacco. Yeah. It depends on what you think about Joe Flacco. Well, Flacco had the postseason of a lifetime. Yeah, I mean he. He had a better quarterback rating and all the numbers throughout the playoffs better than Joe Montana. Like he set a record. Like he was a good quarterback and it got a huge contract for it. So yeah, I mean he was that was an he outlier. Was te- yeah, he was technically franchised at the time. And then Brad Johnson. Depends on I don't think I don't feel like Brad Johnson was a franchise quarterback. So I think those are the only three in the past thirty years who have not been or only two who have not been considered franchise quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. What about Nick Foles? With the Eagles. I think I meant to add Nick Foles, too. Philly, Philly. Yeah. He's catching passes, too. Yeah, So Nick and Nick Foles, which, which he was definitely an outlier, being that he was a backup coming into the season and, sure. and won. So it doesn't happen often. It can happen if you have everything else around you, but the Texans don't have everything else around them. So No, they don't. And I think what's interesting right now, too, I mean, just looking at the state of this rebuild and, uh, I mean, the things that they've been going through um, the past two years, 4-13 and 13 last year, a one-and-done coach in David Culley. This year, they they have one win again through eight games like they did last year. And you kind of have to wonder, like, beyond the draft picks and the trade for Deshaun Watson that yielded a bunch of draft picks, um, like, where are which you which you would see that a GM that if like just judging and grading what Nick Casario has done so far, you would kind of fairly expect that they would have the draft picks, the full pit, full slate of them this year, and then you know would have been able to get a generous return for Deshaun Watson. But if you're looking at, um, I mean, just some of the free agents that were the past year to this, uh, I mean, it was the the idea was to clear a, a clearly terrible cap space situation by signing cheap veterans that could eventually become foundational pieces right now after all of that last year you're sitting in a situation where it's really three players that have a big impact on the team right now which is Malik Collins who's injured Christian Kirksey who's struggling at times at linebacker and a punter and Cam Johnston the other three you've got Rex Burkhead Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett and Traymond Smith. And Traymond Smith's like a valuable special teamer. So that's fine. But are the rest of these guys going to be around whenever this team's competitive again? I think Malik Collins might. Desmond King might. Cam Johnston 
probably will. He's been doing really good as a punter. But when you look at this year, they have a little bit of bigger of, of a budget. S- Steven Nelson's playing well. But like there's reasonable doubt that like AJ Can and Jerry Hughes can maintain their productivity. I mean, they're in their they're in their thirties through their expiration of their contracts in twenty twenty four. Coming up, they're gonna have an expanded budget. Who are they gonna build around? And you had kind of these culture fits like Kama Grugier Hill, Brandon Cooks, you know, these guys well, you know, Grugier Hill requested his release was granted and Cooks tried to get traded. So where are they at right now with this? It's fair to question kind of the productivity of what they've gotten out of the last two years which has been kind of hair pulling to watch them play yeah not much um you know they've got to and the other thing is they've got a lot of positions they've got to worry about they've got to nail it in the draft as well as free agency because you know obviously they'll they'll have one top 10 pick and they could have two potentially so you can only get and they have three major positions of needs so they're only going to be able to dress two in the first round you hope. Which are those to you? What are those to me? I think you got to go quarterback and you got to go defensive end, and then you got to go wide receiver. Yeah, but defensive tackle too, man. Like the the that. I mean, I, I get the edge because the interesting thing about this too is that you know they signed a bunch of guys over the off season and Jerry Hughes, Obo Okoronkwo, Mario Addison. All these guys in, and they're, they're actually pressuring quarterbacks at a lesser rate than they did a year ago. So I, I get you on the edge, but in the interior, man, they're just getting bullied. Yeah, I think you, I think you could get away with passing up one more year on a defensive end, and then use because they do need a defensive tackle, and use a defensive tackle. But they're gonna, they're gonna also have to hit in free agency. They're gonna have to save up to land somebody because they've got way too many holes on this roster. Um, linebacker, yeah, linebacker, linebacker as well. At this point. Safety. I mean, they're using undrafted guys, guys who are you know castaways at previous stops. Um, you know, it's just right now. This is a, a long rebuild right here. Yeah, you can you can tell, and I I mean, on the edge, you can see a guy like you know you got Will Anderson coming out of Alabama, but if you're gonna go. Ah, Number, if you're going to pick a quarterback in that top five slot, then you're probably not going to have a caliber guy like that on the edge. And they passed up on Thibodeau later. Um, I don't know if they value that as high. Um, I think Lovey Smith does, uh, but you know we'll probably get around that towards towards the draft and towards the end of this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to us. That'll be our show for today. Please uh, follow our work on HoustonChronicle.com/sports. I'm Jonathan Alexander. He's Bruce Cabina. Until next week. Peace.